0: Welcome Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Monday, or I hope it's a happy Monday. I'm not feeling that happy today. Uh, We're going to do a show that will be interesting and fascinating and something we have to talk about, but it's not something I'm looking forward to talking about. It was not my plans. I planned on coming on today's show and gloating about the U.S. Women's National Team, Losing and losing in uh, the dramatic form that I wish for with Megan Rapinoe playing a vital role in the loss in the World Cup. Uh, Not going to be able to gloat because of the events that happened in Montgomery, Alabama. And and so I will do a little gloating at the end with Steve Kim. But we're going to start by talking about uh, these sad events that happened in Montgomery, Alabama. We'll do it with uh, Delano Squires first then Shamika Michelle, then TJ Moe, and then we'll get to Steve Kim, get his thoughts on it, but also talk a little Megan Rapino and what, what's going on there. But I, I have to acknowledge I'm not all that happy. Well, I'm not happy at all. I'm, I'm sad. I, I watched uh, these events play out over social media, and I've watched the social media reaction, and it, it just it tears me up. It it disappoints me. It scares me. Uh, The way we have been programmed for racial conflict and the way social media celebrates racial conflict, and particularly a certain demographic, a demographic that I fit in, uh, celebrates racial conflict as long as uh, the victors uh, happen to go, uh, the victims or the villains reach reach or are a part of the right demographic. We celebrate it and act like it's something our ancestors would be proud of. And I, I just, I saw the entire event as sad. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it here with Delano in a second, but I, I wanna first you know open up some space uh, for the conversation by taking care of one of our great sponsors off the top, early, uh, I want to take care of uh, Cozy Earth because I love Cozy Earth because I have it here at my my home. It's another one of these sponsors that I actually had in my home before they jumped on board as a sponsor. I've talked to you guys endlessly about, I have two separate bedrooms that I sleep in. One has Cozy Earth sheets on the bed, the other doesn't. I spent, and again, I kind of go back and forth but I spend 80% of my sleep time on my Cozy Earth sheets in my alleged spare non-master bedroom because the sheets keep me cooler. They're more comfortable. They're superior to the sheets that I have on my California King in the master bedroom. I couldn't give you a more authentic endorsement than Cozy Earth because I was using the stuff before they jumped on board as a sponsor and I know the difference. I now sleep comfortably even on hot, sticky nights, and right now it is hot and sticky in Nashville. Simply swap out your current sheets for soft, breathable, temperature-regulating sheets from Cozier, the brand with thousands of five-star reviews, including mine. If you don't agree that you're sleeping cooler, more comfortably this summer, they'll refund your purchase price, plus shipping, no questions asked. And you get 100 nights to try them out. That's right, 100 nights. How can Cozy Earth make such a guarantee? Because their bedding is made from viscose, from bamboo, so it traps less heat, enabling people to sleep cooler, more comfortably year round for a limited time, say 40% on Cozy Earth. Bamboo sheets, go to CozyEarth.com slash Fearless and enter the promo code FEARLESS at checkout to save 40% right now. Try them for 100 nights. If you don't sleep cooler, send them back for a full refund. That's CozyEarth.com slash Fearless. All right, before we bring Delano, I want to play the first clip. And and this is the beginning, I believe, of the brawl in Montgomery, Alabama at some riverfront area where people take pontoons and boats and basically go out on pontoons and drink on the river and blah, blah, blah. It appears someone parked their pontoon in the wrong spot. Security started pushing the pontoon or trying to move the pontoon. And then there's a conflict between the black security guy And the white people who I guess either own and or were operating and or parked the pontoon someplace it wasn't. Anyway, let's play the initial clip of the initial confrontation. the first clip and, and over social media they're calling the kid that jumped in the water and swam across to help out. They're calling him black Aquaman. And so the initial clip, it, it the black security guard is jumped by two or three white men. It looks like some white women and maybe another white man or two come in and try to break up the conflict. It looks bad. I get why the kid jumped in the water to, uh, to swim to help this guy. I get why other people came to try to help this security guard. Totally makes sense. The security guard has been jumped. Now there is some context that I don't think we're, g- we're going to play because I've seen a four minute video of before the conflict, a longer version showing before any punches were thrown and you could see the interaction, the conversation that was going back and forth. You can't hear what's being said, but you can see the interaction, the security guard and these people bickering back and forth. The security guard is very animated. The security guard is very demonstrative in his actions or whatever. Security guard is not, in my view, trying to de-escalate. He's trying he's meeting their verbal aggression with his own verbal aggression. He's the security guard. He's the authority figure. He's in the right. You have to assume the pontoon people or whoever's upset have been out on a pontoon drinking. That's an assumption I'm gonna make. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they were out there drinking Shirley Temples and alcohol wasn't involved. But it certainly appears like the pontoon people, the white guys, likely drunk, not responding well to the security guard, telling them they have parked their pontoon in the wrong spot. The security guard feeling himself to some degree, perhaps feeling his authority. He's pretty aggressive and demonstrative from the looks of it in his response. And then the next thing you know, he gets jumped by one white guy, another white guy comes running in and jumps him, and they're beating him up. And it looks awful and I don't blame anybody and actually think the people that ran to assist this man and or swam to assist this man totally in the right and doing the right things. I feel like from my watching that they initially put out the fire and then more people came to reignite the fire. And that's when all hell broke loose. But let's play the second clip uh, and, and let's get some further context and information. Play the second clip. So this is where I think things get out of hand. We've got people that have retreated back to their boat. The situation is over. But here comes people not to the rescue of anybody. These seem to be uninvolved people that feel like, oh, I'm justified now in going out and working out my anger with white people that I've had no conflict with that seem to be in retreat mode and the thing is over. And this is when things turn really, really ugly. And in this last clip, you're about to see a man, a grown man, clubbing people over the head with a chair, including a woman who was on the ground, knocked off her feet by two women that were kicking and stomping her. And then a grown man comes over and clubs her over the head Play that clip. It's sad. I just. The commentary is sad the because the, if you watch the four minute clip before any first punch was thrown, if you listen to the commentary, the people egging on the conflict and, and basically it's almost like two guys have squared off in a prison and everybody's in their cells or standing along the railing going, oh, I bet you won't swing or you need to swing on it. Just egging on the conflict. That's what it sounded like. All the people wanted punches to be thrown. And, and, and to hear the commentary at the end of you just watched a man club a woman over the head with a chair. Police wrestle this man to the ground. It sounds like they may have tased him at some point, and then they're going, oh, y'all ain't gotta do all that. The the, the guy that just clubbed a woman over the head instantly turns into a victim when someone says, oh, the police are doing too rough with trying to get the cuffs on him. All of this is illogical, all of it is a byproduct of what social media has done, in my view, to racial engagement. If, 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 if the security guard and the men he got in a fight with initially had all been black, no one would do anything. Everybody would sit on their boat and watch the fight. And when the police showed up, they'd say, I didn't see anything. No one would jump in the water to swim across and help, they would all stay out of it. If it were a white security guard and jumped by two white men, no black people would care, no one would, everybody just stand back and watch the fight. Maybe some white people would go over and try to break up the fight, I I, I don't know. But none of it would have this racial dynamic that we have now. Because what, what is a possibility is that None of this, and I'm not saying any of these people involved don't have their racial hangups, but none of this conflict could be related to race. It could just be related to disrespect for authority, a group of people that have had too much to drink and are disrespecting authority, and an authority person not being properly trained and not knowing how to react when people are disrespectful of his authority. This whole thing could have nothing to do with race and likely has nothing to do with race. It's probably just when idiots collide or when untrained people collide or when drunk people uh, collide with untrained people, an untrained law enforcement official or security guard or whatever. That's what it, but because we live in this era of social media, it's being spun out as white supremacists beat up, stopped white people from lynching a black man, and black people came and rescued him, and then terrorized everybody white they could see. Those are just the facts. I'm gonna bring in Delano, Shamika, and TJ Mo to get their perspective. Uh, we'll start with uh, Delano. Delano, take as much time as, as you need. What do you see here? You've been down this rabbit hole to some degree like I have over social media. What's your takeaway?
1: So Jason, let me, let me try to cheer you up a little bit because there's some good to this video, right? Here, here's a couple of the good things. One, top line. I didn't see any gunplay, I didn't hear any gunshots, I didn't see any knives come out, I didn't see anyone get stabbed. So to my knowledge, no one was killed in this altercation or seriously, you know, suffered any serious debilitating issue. That is a good thing, particularly when you have this many people fighting one another, so that's good. Um, Two, by the time, the, the few clips that I saw of law enforcement, Um, I saw a few where they were arresting, I'm assuming some of the white guys who were involved in the fight. And then the last one with the black guy who hit the woman on top of the head while she was, you know, obviously down on the ground. So what I saw was law enforcement actually enforcing the law without prejudice or concern with color, race or creed. That's a good thing because it's one thing when the commentary is coming from the peanut gallery. Right. People, wh- whether they're 15 years old or 55 years old, who have been influenced by sort of world star hip hop culture. Where, when, when a fight breaks out, you grab the camera, you say, oh, world star. And, and it, you know, you're more invested in seeing a good fight than seeing something a uh, conflict resolved peacefully. It's good to see that the police didn't engage in that behavior, because it's one thing when individual people feel like, let's say the worst case scenario, are involved in a racial conflict. It's another thing when law enforcement takes on that ethos and now they start saying, I'm not touching them. I mean, look, look, I'm, I'm black before I'm blue or I'm white before I'm blue. Let, let these people work it out. And, you know, we'll clean up the aftermath. So I think that was a good thing. And then the, the longer clip in the beginning. Um, I, I was I don't want to say encouraged, but. You could see that the guys were going back and forth. And to your point, you can't hear anything. So this is where reading nonverbal cues comes in. And sometimes you misread because some people are are more demonstrative, but it doesn't mean that they're angry. They just, you know, they, they express themselves more you know, more visibly with, you know, with their hands and with their facial expressions. But what I saw in that longer clip was, you know, some of the guys, who, you know, they're going back and forth with the security guard. He, he's, you know, gesturing. But everything was cool until some other guy comes in from off screen, like he got tagged in by, you know, Randy Savage. And now he's jumping into it. And he is the one who sort of threw the first punch and kicked off this entire melee. Um, So I'm glad it didn't go from zero, you know, the first conversation to 100 in the span of 30 seconds. It looked like they were trying to let cooler heads prevail. But oftentimes it only takes one person to light the spark. So I want to start with three things to hopefully cheer you up a little bit, Jason. That being said, um, I understand that social media today, I mean, if I had to rename Twitter, I I would rename it Conflict because that's really what the app is is used to do, whether that's the gender wars between men and women or more specifically, you know, the, the black men and black women, whether that's the diaspora wars between... Um, foundational black Americans and, and, and immigrants, whether first, second, third generation, or whether it's the race wars, right? You, you can follow accounts that will be all about racist, white supremacist, race soldiers assaulting a black man, or all about you know roving uh, black teens that are assaulting innocent white people. You can follow accounts that f- feed you a steady diet of that every day. Um, and, and, I, and I do think it's sad to see that I will say this, uh, and and I'm not saying this is an ideal situation, but I think it's better if those tensions exist, to the extent that those tensions exist in the population, it's better for them to be worked out like this in a a, a melee, in a brawl, in a Donnybrook, these are all sports terms you hear, than for, for this to be the norm in everyday life. Because we actually no one no one would benefit from a race war in this country and certainly not black folk. Because when you are 13 percent of the population. And you kill off a third of your offspring. And you vote for politicians who want to disarm, you know, your 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 current soldiers, you are in no position to be in a race war with anybody. So I, I think to the extent that that people are playing this up, like, see, like, this is, this is what white folks should be ready for. I think that that's a mistake. I will say this. Most of what I've seen in terms of the commentary from some of the accounts that you're probably familiar with, we follow some of the same people. It's been, oh, this is the black man that invented the folding chair. It's been naming the guy Black Aquaman or uh, Scuba Gooden Jr., so I, I characterize it as fairly light, commentary, laughing, people saying, "Oh, this is why we love. This is why we love us because this is what we do for one another." Um, but to the extent that this portends, you know, this points to something bigger, a bigger trend in terms of fracturing race relations, I do think that that's a bad thing for the country. And and ultimately, I think we will only survive when people are able and willing to apply the law equally, regardless of race, color, or creed, and are willing to impose a single set of standards on all citizens, regardless of the skin color of the victim or the victimizer. Um, And I think to the extent that, that corporate media feeds on these types of things, and they go looking for these types of things to amplify them, um, they need to be held to account as well, because it's not just a social media thing. You and I have seen videos that play on social media. The vast majority of them don't end up on in Newsweek or on CNN. So the people there are looking for a particular narrative as well. And I, and I think anybody who's exploiting sort of racial grievance in any direction uh, for profit is someone who should be called to account.
0: All accurate I I I do think this Montgomery melee mm. is. I think it's more prone to happen now and moving forward than at any time in my lifetime. And there have been mm. racial brawls in the past, and we just haven't had the video proof. I, mm. I, and again, I, I'm I'm now speculating because I, I don't even remember the details of Alan Iverson and what happened at the bowling alley when mm-hmm. he was a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I do think my memory says there was some racial dynamic to that, but yeah. I don't remember a thousand percent. And so th- these things have been going on, but I, I think people's reaction to them was more like mine like oh man this is disappointing we can't have, we don't want to go this direction whereas now it's choose sides and let's celebrate and and let's not even look for any nuance cuz to me i i think the culprits here 1000% speculation drunk idiots on one side and a security guard, not knowing how to deal with drunk idiots on the mm. other side and and it, it wasn't now did in their argument did it perhaps turn racial at some point? probably, but that's because drunk idiots on one side and a security guard that didn't know how to deal with drunk idiots in a professional manner or in a way that de-escalates the situation rather than escalate. It, 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 because I, I've heard people speculate like, well, if they had just moved their pontoon and they were blocking, uh, we don't know the details on that. Mm. And, and, and it, it's like you pull up on somebody that's in a handicapped parking spot and yes, it's annoying. And you ask them, perhaps if your security, me, I just move on because I'm not looking for conflict with anybody. Somebody want to be an idiot and park in a handicap parking, that's on them. Maybe they'll get a ticket, maybe they won't. But, but I, I just think it's far more likely this was drunken idiots, and 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 particularly one or two drunken idiots that threw a match on a can of gasoline that social media has just been churning and churning and churning. And, and I, I, I just leave this incident going like, man, I think we're going to see more videos like this. I, I think people are being programmed to interpret everything along racial dynamics and not along truth or nuance or context.
1: I, I would definitely agree with your last point. Um, I do believe that, again, world star. And let me let me make a confession. World star hip hop used to be one of my guilty pleasures, right? And mainly for the fight videos. And and to be and to be honest, again, my favorite genre of fight video actually has nothing to do with race. I like comeuppance fight videos. I like, or used to like, or used to indulge in videos where bullies. And instigators get their due uh, and whether that's uh, some of the ones some of the greatest hits is uh, the eight ball jacket guy in New York City and two girls were you know verbally assaulting him and one of them smacks him in the face and he reached back you know to the 1600s or whenever or, you know before women had the franchise and smack one and again I'm not I don't advocate violence particularly not against women but if you act like a man you should be expected to be treated like one especially in New York City where the girls are known to be a little rough around the edges. I mean, I, I've, I've seen a number of videos like, like that. And it's not that I root for the violence, but I understand how people get there because they're frustrated. And and a similar type of video, I think people was going around last week when you saw a, a shopkeeper, I think in California somewhere, and and a dude who happened to be black was there, he looked like he was stealing stuff or, or, or you know, um, T- taking stuff off the, the, the shelves and putting it in the garbage can and basically destroying this man's business. And I believe he, they were Sikhs, right? And somebody, and, and, and the person narrated and said, oh, you can't do nothing about it, you can't do nothing about it. And then the guys in the shop said, oh, yes we can. And they, they proceeded to, to, as my wife said, give that man a spanking that he should've got as a kid. So when I see stuff like that, my first impulse is to think that the people who react this way are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I understand how people get to this point. Um, and, and so that's part of the context we don't know, right? It's very, It could very well be that this, the security guard has had incidents like this with other people or these specific people, and he's gotten tired of it. Um, but that being said, th- that's that specific incident. I agree with you on the larger narrative. I mean, I follow accounts, and, I, and I'm not the type of person to unfollow people just because they share stuff I don't agree with. But on a daily basis, I'll see people, some of whom I've met personally, who will post six-year-old videos of a black teen assaulting somebody, typically white, and they'll say, notice a pattern. Right. And, and sometimes I ask myself, OK, there's no investigative um, benefit to this. this. This crime has been solved and adjudicated. So what is the purpose? And I think a lot of it is sort of fomenting this this notion that we are under attack. And I see white people doing it with, with videos that show black people acting in unlawful ma- ways. And I see black folk doing it that show white people acting in unlawful ways. And I think on either side is not healthy for society and particularly a society like our, ours, where it is multiracial, multiethnic. And despite our long and, and bloody history in terms of race, I think the average American wants to wants to live at peace with their neighbors regardless of what skin color they are. And I think the people who profit and find um, entertainment and sharing these things to inflame those tensions are doing themselves and the community a grave disservice. And as I said, particularly when you are in the minority, you should be very aware and cognizant of of how you move in a society, because you don't, if you go tribal, you just don't have the numbers. So it's not even a strategic thing to, 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 to say, yeah, yeah, we, we we want the race war. It's, it's not good spiritually, it's not good politically, it's not good socially, and it's not good culturally.
0: Lionel, thank you for the time. I'm gonna move on thank to Shamika, get a woman's take on this. Great job as always. Hey, are you tired of someone else telling you where to go when you have a medical need? Are you ready to take control of your health care? Samaritan Ministries could be the solution you're looking for. They connect hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation who come together through prayer, encouragement, and financial support when a medical need arises. It's not insurance and you're not limited by restrictive networks. Say you have a medical need. You don't have to check and see what hospital is in your network or be concerned about the doctor being in network, too. No, you go to the hospital, you choose and don't give a second thought as to what's in network and what's not, because with Samaritan Ministries, you're in control of your health care. Afterwards, fellow members pray for you and send money directly to you to help you pay your medical bills. And when they have a medical need, you'll do the same for them. That's what biblical health care sharing looks like. Check it out today at SamaritanMinistries.org fearless. This is a unique way and a Christian way to take care of your medical needs and take care of the expense of medical needs in a Christian way. We know how crazy things have got in the insurance agency. As believers, we need to find unique ways to take care of ourselves and take care of each other samaritanministries.org/fearless check it out now, just around the corner
2: next it's my obligation to no hate discrimination raising up your hands for freedom
0: Welcome back. Time for some Shamoke show. Uh, we need a lady's take on this. We missed you all last week, Shamika, uh, but we've given you a great topic to come back to. Uh, we're going to actually have a Twitter Spaces on Tuesday on this topic as well. Uh, Shamika, your thoughts on the uh, Montgomery melee?
2: Well, Jason, I have watched the video several times from different angles. And the more I watch the different videos, the more my shoulders start to, you know, rolling on a river. And I realize there's still a ratchet little girl on the inside of me. I enjoy every moment of it. Now, I will say I don't take this as a call to, you know, hey, black people, this is what we have to do. We got to stick together. I don't see it that way. It's not a race thing for me that I'm just going to go out here and be against white people or you know wanna fight white people. I don't feel like that at all. And I don't think anybody else should. I agree with you that if this were all black people, it would not be making the rounds that it's making now. But one of the things I found interesting or perplexing, I don't understand why the women were out there. And when I say the women, I'm mainly talking about the white women. Like, did you think that you were actually gonna be able to calm men down once their adrenaline and their aggression got the going, you know? And of course, you were gonna have to deal with black women for doing that. And we're talking about women that's been fighting since one, two, three red lights been fighting since kickball these are the women that have been double dutching in July on hot asphalt barefoot I don't know what they thought they were going to get you gotta know when to hold them and when to fold them I'm not saying these women deserved an ass whipping I'm just saying I understand <laughs> so I, I, I don't I don't know what they,
0: a man picked up a folding chair and hit a woman over the head.
2: Now, that was wrong. But she got dusted off by the black women before he even got up to her. So she was already dazed. Yeah, he was wrong for that. I certainly think he was wrong. But I just think the women should have stayed out of the way. I would not have gotten involved watching these big, burly men fight each other. Even if I was involved with one, I would hope that he is big enough and bad enough to defend himself. I just didn't understand why the women felt like they needed to get involved at all. And, you know, they they got what was coming to them.
0: <laughs> ah, I, not the take I was expecting, but I knew you'd have a unique take. Tell me this. The mayor of Montgomery is promising that justice will be served and I'm not so sure. I think justice is going to be politicized and racialized and run through the Twitter blender and they're going to come up with a perverted form of justice that will serve Twitter and and somehow the guy that's beating everybody over the head with a chair is gonna end up a hero and exonerated. I don't trust the system not to bow to Twitter.
2: Oh, for sure. I think you're absolutely right with that. I think we saw the end of fairness when the police officers actually handcuffed some of the black men and handcuffed some of the white men. I think that was the end of the fairness that that we we're gonna see involving this case. I do think that social media is going to win, especially with a Black mayor who has already, you know, he's already shown us his his view and his side. It's pretty much what we've seen from social media over the last couple of hours anyway, or the last few days, that people are actually feeling like this is some type of justice or payback from slavery or Jim Crow and, um, you know, People are celebrating it. And so I definitely think that he has already shown us where his, his side falls, and this is what we're going to see moving forward. So I totally agree with you there. I don't think we're going to see any type of fairness past what we've already seen from the police officers, who I agree with Delano, did a, I think, did a good job.
0: And so... This is why I reject this whole inference that, hey, we can't be racist because we have no power. I I think you're gonna see the exercising of black power in Montgomery, Alabama as it relates to this melee and and we have to cut it out and, and it'll be very interesting what happens here There'll be a political decision made to satisfy a voting base, and and fairness won't have anything to do with it. Everybody's over the top emotion. Oh well, that's justified because they saw the security guard getting beat up. But hold hold on. When you know, go to any neighborhood in our community, and we'll watch people get beat up, and we won't get overly emotional about it. We'll, we'll go right, oh, you know, Junebug, he got lit last night and blah, blah, blah. But, but on this one here, we just couldn't, we were triggered. This reminded, I mean, I've seen tweets where people are connecting this to, this is the dock where slaves were brought into, and I'm like, yeah, let's just stop it. Just, just, this, yeah. this ain't got nothing to do with 1822. <laughs> this right. is 200 years later, cut it out.
2: I agree. And I hate the take that we can't be racist because we don't have any power. That's so silly, and that's such an old, you know, phrase to try to go by. We can absolutely be racist. And you can even see that in the jokes that are floating around. There's no way if the tables were turned or reversed, that we would allow white people to sit online and joke and laugh the way that we have about this whole scenario so the thought that we can't be racist i want us to just stop lying and start being honest we can very well be racist many black people are you know instead of this whole you know they're against white power but they have this idea of black power or black supremacy thinking that black people are better simply by the color of their skin. And that's why I say I reject the notion that this means that, oh, this is how black people need to stick together. I don't like the idea that I need to stick with anyone based off my skin color or my gender. It is do we share values? Do we share the same thought process. That's who I'm going to stick with. I get so sick and tired of people feeling like I should think a certain way simply because I'm black or simply because I'm a black woman. I don't think like most of these heifers, and I'm not going to change that. And people will just get upset and be, be mad at me because... I don't have that mindset. And so I really wish more of us would start to be honest that yes, we can be racist. And sometimes you are. And just admit it. You know, if you feel like uh, black is supreme, just say it and stop lying about it because we know good and well, we would not take somebody joking. There was the uh, NASCAR driver, I think he was, that just got in trouble for liking the George Floyd meme. People felt like that was justified because how can he laugh at that? It was funny. So, you know, we we wouldn't take it the other way around for sure.
0: Thank you, Shamika. Great job, great to have you back. Uh, We're gonna move on to uh, TJ Moe. We're gonna put, we're gonna get the uh, white point of view. (laughs) No, we're not, we're gonna get TJ Moe. I'm gonna take a skin color out of him, but can't wait to hear TJ address this, put him in a tough spot. Uh, But before we get to TJ, hey, you guys know about my relationship with Liver Health Formula. Been taking the stuff for two years. About four months ago, Liver Health jumped on board as a sponsor of this show, awesome. No different. It's, it's been great to see these products that I personally use, that I personally use, hop on board as a sponsor without any push from me. It just happens. And so, look, I've been fighting a fatty liver as I've been fighting uh, the bulge, as I've been on my weight loss journey. Liver Health Formula has been a part of that journey. Many Americans have. A fatty liver and you're three and t- and a half times more likely to have f- heart failure when you do. The American Liver Foundation says 100 million Americans have a fatty liver. Liver Health Formula can help you. When you order it, you can get this free bottle that will help you control your blood sugar levels as well. All This stuff is manufactured right here in the USFA. In the U.S. of A., if you're looking to ignite your fat-burning metabolism, boost your energy, and transform how you look and feel, try Liver Health Formula and receive a free bottle of blood sugar formula to reduce your sugar cravings when you order today. Try Liver Health Formula by going to getliverhelp.com slash Jason and claim your free bonus gift. That's getliverhelp.com slash Jason. TJ Moe. Well, one thing we know about TJ Moe, he ain't scared. So I can't wait to hear his take on the uh, Montgomery melee. TJ, uh, your thoughts on uh, <laughs> the Montgomery melee?
3: Few takeaways. The the first is that, and you you. We both made this assumption, we don't know, but whenever there's alcohol involved, I have no sympathy for anyone involved after that. I'm so anti-alcohol, you're just, you're asking for a fight, you're asking to do something stupid or get beat up. The white dudes, I think, were certainly drunk based on their behavior and also the accuracy of their attempted punches. Uh, they just, you know, these guys. So I don't have a lot of sympathy for them. I, the second takeaway, and this is frustrating, but I think it's the reality. I don't think this happens without an audience. I think cooler heads prevail, but immediately you hear people chanting and egging it on. And I think that's part of, you know, the drunk white guys, again, I don't know that they knew too much what was going on. The black dude, I think, certainly knew, which is why he was showing off when he threw his hat 50 feet in the air to start the fight, like, all right, I'm ready, here we go. I I didn't care for that. Um, The other thing is just that, We could have planned this scenario out and based on which color was on which side, we would already know the narrative. And that's frustrating. If it's a white security guard with a bunch of black dudes, it's just a white dude who's abusing his power. If it's the opposite, it's just a bunch of white kids who don't think they have to follow the rules. You know, it's um, that it's so obvious to me. We we're not having a real discussion. We're having we're having a manufactured discussion. But I'll tell you my real takeaway, because all of that I think seems like just common sense. My my real takeaway to sort of build off of what Shamika said, but a little bit differently. The white women in that fight were so stupid. I I just I, I can't help them. The, the The idea that you would jump into that fight are crazy. But that. That's not my real takeaway. My real takeaway is the black woman who was filming all of that and her commentary was so disgraceful that I'm like, what have we done to these black women? She, she, had, she was saying thing over and over. That's what you get. That's what you get. These guys are getting their faces pounded in by there's 40 people jumping off a boat and she's watching these five or six or eight white guys get pounded. That's what you get. That's what you get. Whoop whoop, bet you won't do that again, bet you won't do that again, over and over, and egging it on, and I'm like, look, when white women, I've been around white women, quite a few of them during fights, they freak out and yell and tell everybody to stop, and it happens over and over, stop, stop it, what are you doing? And me, or the average white dude would be like, let the men settle this, get out of here, I don't want to see you again until this is over, and that's how that goes, you're not going to jump in the fight and you're also not going to sit here and scream about it. So get out of the way. And the black women are egging the fight on. It's, it's the craziest thing. You know, I, I think back to the video I posted, I think it was an old video, but I saw it floating around on Twitter of the black woman. I think during COVID berating a white woman about who knows what she was, a, a black Hebrew Israelite talking about how, who knows crazy. And we've encouraged this behavior For black women, and it's like, if when white women act like that, and they do on occasion, we have a name for that. We call them white trash. And when black women do it, we call them queens. It's it's a terrible dichotomy. And again, I think the black women were largely the ones egging it on, screaming about it. I don't think the fight probably happens without them in the audience. Uh, it, It was a sad display. And the woman who had the video and likely posted it herself has been conditioned to think that was a good look. And so, you know, as far as the race thing goes, that's the worst part of it to me. Boy, you said a mouthful
0: and you have piggybacked off a conversation that uh, black men have had. Smart or objective or black men that are looking for solutions have had for a long time that 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 like prisons are filled with men who have been abandoned by their families, no dad, you know, in their relationship, and men doing stupid things trying to impress women or at the behest of woman, women, women. And, and there's always the person putting a battery in your back that gets you ends up in prison. A lot of times is a black woman who has egged you on and convinced you, you need to do something stupid to prove your masculinity or your love for her or whatever. This conversation goes on and on and on all the time. People will be upset, you as a white guy, for for bringing it up, but it's a thousand percent factual. And so, and and I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of there's a, a type of woman that will be screaming, stop, stop, stop. And there will be a type of woman that's taking her earrings out, uh, taking her false fingernails off or weave out or, or whatever, putting her purse down, shoes off, so she can get in it. And that's what happened. And again, Shamika's making the point very, in a non-politically correct fashion is like, don't you know what black women the, the, oh, they're looking for a fight, and by you trying to involve yourself in breaking up the fight, you've just licensed them to fight you. And to see those women that knocked the, the little chubby, fat, white woman to the ground, and then to see a man come in and slam a chair over her head. Whew. I, I, I t- The other question I want to ask, the same one I asked uh, Shamika, is do you think there will be any sort of fair justice here or will Twitter control how authorities in Montgomery, Alabama end up adjudicating this conflict?
3: Oh, I think Twitter's in charge of most things. Although I will tell you, post the Elon purchase, the black Twitter doesn't have nearly the poll that it used to. Things just won't trend in the same way. I mean, things were propped up in such a fashion Uh, There was a tiny minority of people that had one opinion and they were trending no matter what they said. And so I, I don't think it'll be quite as drastic as it was. I think it's likely that the dude who hit the white woman with the chair, that was a black dude you know, he'll get something. He, he may get a lot. He probably will get the worst charge out of anybody because he used a weapon. Everybody else is just throwing fists. And so they'll use that to say, look, we charged the black guy worse than all these guys. And maybe there's seven or eight white guys, <laughs> but the whole thing, you know, something that's frustrating to me and it's, it's just the nature of people. You hang out with your, your own race more than anybody else. I and, mean, you know, most people tell you their best friend, you know, white guy, best friends are white, black guy, best friends are black. But, you know, I, I as I was thinking through this, I'm like, all right, our fear at uh, our, our crew at Fearless, like, who am I fighting with? I'm hitting the white guys if I'm hanging out with you. I don't know those white dudes. I know all of you. If it's you, me, Delano, Shamika, Dave Shannon, Virgil, it don't make a difference who it is. It's I'm fighting with you guys. It's just that our tribes are so race-based, everything becomes a race war. But if we had some more actual crossover, like it was three, again, take the Fearless crew and we'll add Hadley and David and whoever else. And it's like, there's, you know, we got a, a decently mixed crew and we're the ones on that boat. Well, it's no longer a race for because you better believe that me and David and, and we'd probably tell Hadley to sit this one out. We're coming to fight with you guys. And there's just not much of that. You just you, you fought with the people you were hanging out with. And well, who are you hanging out with? You were hanging out with all the white dudes.
0: TJ, thank you. I got to keep it moving. I want to bring Steve Kim in and talk a little Megan Rapino with uh, Steve Kim as well. Uh, don't go anywhere. Make sure you're giving me this show a five-star review. I'm doing a show that I really, really didn't want to do, but I felt like I had to. And and because I'm just sad talking about this. And so hopefully Steve Kim's going to come in with some great jokes and cheer me up. We'll talk a little bit about Megan Rapino, And uh, that'll be the show. Uh, Steve Kim, Korean Cosell, next.
4: all
0: right welcome back time for korean Cosell, your favorite part of the show my least favorite part but we'll put up with him anyway Uh, kosell steve kim you're the fight expert on the show so I have to ask you, what do you think of the Montgomery melee? And, you know, being a rooftop Korean, you know, you, you, you know, fighting uh, black uh, people. So uh, your expert opinion on this, uh, we anxiously await your thoughts on the uh, Montgomery melee.
4: You know, watching this, it just, you know, a little common courtesy would have just really curbed all of this. You know, and I'm different. I'm one of those people, if, if I'm in a parking lot at, let's say, 2 o'clock in the morning, and there's no one in there. I still will not park in a handicapped space, even if I'm going to be there for two minutes. It's just the way I was raised. It's the way I was brought up. It's the kind of a, the neurotic way that I think that it's not right. I didn't understand why the people just did not move the boat. And then all of a sudden, this thing escalates as I'm kind of watching this. I, I, I thought to myself, you know what? Everyone is really lucky here, especially those glacier gliders who got outnumbered real quickly. They are very lucky that nobody knows how to fight and really throw proper punches. Or somebody could have gotten hurt. I mean, throughout the weekend, I was just kind of thinking about it before I came on here. I saw pillow fighting on ESPN. I saw Jake Paul kind of do a waltz with Nate Diaz. And then I saw Tim Anderson, the modern-day Jackie Robinson, get knocked out like the modern-day Errol Spence. And so I'm just kind of thinking to myself, jeez. I mean, these people are really, really lucky. And I'll say one thing. Uh, I don't think Scott Adams will ever be caught uh, docking his boat (laughs) in Montgomery anytime soon after this weekend. I'll just put it to you that way.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) TJ made an interesting point, and I don't know how deep down the rabbit hole you've gone on this, but do you think the security guard would have acted differently if there wasn't a crowd egging him on? And egging on the conflict, did the audience perhaps change the dynamics?
4: You know that certainly can happen when you have people that are going to inflame a situation. And you look, there is a racial dynamic. Let's not lie about it. A lot of people they live for this. They love to participate in the victimhood Olympics at all times. They want to feel oppressed. And and if I have a question, if those are Black passengers or black boat owners that were in the way, would this thing have escalated if they would have said, hey, you're kind of here illegally, can you move it? I mean, you can look at this five different ways, uh, and then it becomes, well, wait a minute, why are you picking on us and not them? I've seen these things escalate. You know, my view is this. I try to basically stay away from large crowds all the time. I'm not here. Look, none of us can fight unless you're in a dojo and one of those trained MMA fighters or a professional prize fighter. Uh, you make a fool out of yourself generally most of the time. I mean, I'm watching this thing in Montgomery, and let's just put it this way with those punches being thrown. Terrence Crawford, they were not. I just – I'm just kind of looking at this going, geez, folks, you obviously don't ever hit a heavy bag or a double-end bag. You may want to, sh- you know, sharpen up on a shadow boxing. Uh, but that was embarrassing. But it was also really embarrassing are the people like Jamel Hill celebrating like this as if somehow – this is like right up there with the civil rights march or the Montgomery or Birmingham bus boycotts. I, I think that's sad. I and mean, that's really what you think of your own people, Jamel. I mean, just think, Emily, I'll say it. Oh. If that's what you think as a victory for your people, you don't think much of your own people then.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to remember, I'm blocked from Michelle- <laughs> Jamel's <laughs>
4: account. What did she tweet? I think she was said something, and I, and I believe she was referring to what happened to black people are blacking. And I'm, I'm, I'm screaming like, like she's all proud of this. And I've seen tweets like that, and I'm thinking, you're really proud of that. And it's really interesting. One of our, our viewers that I follow, uh, and we have a really good relationship, Sean, the media messenger, or Sean. Yes. He made a good, really good
0: Good shout out to him, Sean. I, I love him. Love all the stuff he tweets at us.
4: Yeah, and he tweeted something to the effect, you know, if you want to treat this as a victory and be so proud that we as blacks uh, got together and fought a group of white people, but what about when blacks fight blacks? Because that actually happens a lot more. I mean, are we not proud of that? I mean, what what's our emotion in terms of that? Um, you know, I just, it, it's really interesting what's going on in the world today. You know, this past, uh, I think late last week, I saw... Uh, a nice Asian family who made the mistake. And, and to my fellow Crouching Tigers, if you're in New York, pay extra for a cab or a limousine or an Uber. Do not go on the subways. It is dangerous down there for any of you guys. Um, but being harassed by three young women. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that that's kind of what's happening now. I mean, that's the world that we live in. And, and, and the headline, in my view, would have been nuclear family harassed by a cadre of future single mothers. So I guess I'm kind of looking at this going, no, I'm being serious about it. I know it's kind of callous, but Jason, it is the truth. It is. What happened there and what happened this weekend, unfortunately, I believe, is a microcosm of what has taken place the last three, four years and only blossoming uh, in America.
0: No, no, the last three or four decades uh, or yeah. the last five or six decades is blossoming, and you're a thousand percent right. Every time I see any of this stuff, when I see the, the stuff that went on in NYC with the guy that promised to give away PS5s and all that, yeah. right, look at the unparented. And, 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 and when I say unparented, some of them come from two-parent families, but they're not being properly parented. The parents are out chasing money, no one's really uh, monitoring and developing the kids. I want to move on to a less serious topic and, and, and want to bring you to uh, Cosell. Uh, there's a reason why I'm nearly as good as you on this show. It's because I can see into the future. And I don't know if you saw this, but last week I called exactly what was going to happen in the World Cup as it relates to Megan Rapinoe. Uh, let's watch this ice lock. It was a good day.
3: I will certainly hope that Megan Rapinoe at least doesn't get in the game. I can't stand her. Uh, uh, I want to end the game and for her to cost us the game. But anyway, go I'd ahead. I'd be fine with that.
4: Rapinoe. Right. foot it. Oh,
0: boy. Oh, <laughs> boy. I was thrilled with what happened on Sunday. Uh, the great gay hope uh, ruined uh, the U.S. women's national soccer team. I think their collapse mirrors the descent of Megan Rapino. She's made this whole thing the last three years about her brand and building herself up, and the team looked like a sloppy mess throughout the group stage, tried to turn it on once they got to the knockout round, But ran into the wrong team that didn't let him score. And then once it got to penalty kicks, Rapino and a couple other girls choked and we lost, and I'm thrilled about it.
4: Yeah, imagine that. You know, that kick, ironically, uh, went far right. I mean, way far right. I'm like, talk about not being on brand. But yeah, I woke up yesterday and I I see all these tweets and all these, you know, the timeline's being dominated by a lot of uh, messages for Hope and Unity for Sweden. And there's the toxicity that now relates to that brand. And, and I do wonder if that particular franchise, the U.S. Women's National Team, will forever be stained or have a dark cloud over them because of the Rapino effect, or if she truly is retired and she walks away that people say, okay, now we're back to being who we are, because I am seeing more and more backlash or people that may have played with her that are kind of coming out and saying, wait a minute, she made us very, very uncomfortable. And I also wonder if the higher-ups or the executives that run this uh, organization will say to themselves, at least privately, like, you know, we are never letting this happen again. We are a national team that represents America, and we cannot have this much overt anti-American sentiment that's going to turn at least, I would say, a third, if not half, of the country against us. So I, I don't know. Look, Megan's going you know, to I, – you know what I found amazing is that ESPN still painted this as a heroic run by Megan. I guess they ran something about how she was a pioneer and they ran this – Oh, no, curiosity. we're about to
0: play it. We're uh, about just, to play it. We're going to play it right now. She, she goes out in a cloud of dust and ignominy or failure – Misses the penalty kick, the team scores four goals in four games, and they're acting as if, oh, what a heroic run. This is their worst finish ever. They couldn't pivot. And so they play a three-minute feature of, of Megan's fiance, Sue Bird, basically kissing her rear end and let's let's play let's play the clip. Uh, I, I've just never seen this. They acted like she went out like Kobe scoring 61 or John Elway diving into the end zone during the Super Bowl. Let's let's play Sue Bird's love letter to her scissoring fiance.
5: There's no one quite like Megan Rapinoe. She was just a kid from a small city called Redding, California, when soccer swung the doors to the world wide open. She went to college in Portland, Oregon, and played professionally in Chicago and Philadelphia before stints abroad in Australia and France, and then to Seattle. Wherever she's gone, she's represented the best of the United States.
3: Go ahead, let them know.
5: She is audacious and confident. She dazzles her way through defenders, and she isn't afraid to try stuff. She is unapologetically herself, and she never tries to be a player she's not. Over her more than 14 years representing the U.S. national team, Megan has done things her own way, and it has lifted her into the pantheon of all-time great athletes. Yeah, people who don't know Megan call her a lot of things, but the list should start with winner. She won an Olympic gold medal in 2012, followed by winning two World Cups in 2015 and 2019. We want to win everything all the time. In 2019, she was named the best player in the world, and she did it even as some people were hoping she'd lose. Her patriotism is what has driven her to lend her voice to those who need it. When she started kneeling to protest racial inequality in the United States, she did it because she loved America and believed it could be a better version of itself. There's no level of status that will protect you from the clutches of inequality. When she accepted her award as FIFA's best player of 2019, she used her speech to call on everyone to join the fight in stamping racism out of soccer. When she fought for equal pay, which included suing her own bosses at the Federation and risking her spot on the national team, she didn't do it for herself. She did it for the young girls who have yet to represent the U.S. The girls who will one day play for their country without ever having to sit in a boardroom pleading to be treated equally. Megan never set out to be a gay icon. That's just what happened when she was herself.
0: Gay!
5: <laughs> Honest and open. And she has been standing up for trans kids so they can feel the same joy she has felt playing soccer over her legendary career. It's our responsibility to make this world a better place. While Megan is one of a kind, her empathy and compassion for others is what has made her a leader. It's why her U.S. teammates can't talk about her pending retirement without crying. She's done such incredible things for this team and for the world. It's why the people who don't know her can criticize her. But everyone who does know her loves her. When Megan retires, she won't stop using her voice. She won't stop expressing herself. She won't stop doing all the things that make her Megan Rapinoe. But the sport will be just a little less fun without her.
0: Hmm. Megan Rapino is Muhammad Ali, Steve, if, according to Sue Bird and ESPN. To me, she's one of the phoniest athletes of all time.
4: Well, she's unapologetically a malcontent. Uh, th- that is, uh, that's some <laughs> real self-aggrandizement right there right? From, from her uh, significant other. But here's the issue. When, when you talk about – I can go several ways with this – if you did an approval rating of women's soccer, our, our national team, I would guess and I would venture. And again, I haven't seen any polls and I'm not the Pew rating system here. But I would guess that a large portion of America have a much more negative thought or opinion of that organization and that team than they did, let's say, eight years ago. Much of it had to do with Megan Rapino. And the problem was, is that there is no dissent allowed when it comes to her. I mean, ESPN or any other mainstream media should have the right to say, well, wait wait a minute, Megan, what about these particular issues and your stances? The other thing is that I, I do have an issue with this, um, these gated community revolutionaries when she talks about racial injustice and all that other stuff. I would love to know, and I'm not trying to dox her, where does she live? What is the percentage of people that look like the one she says she's trying to help? Does she live in those communities? And like, is she out there? Or does she look like the people that are supposedly the oppressors behind a gated community in a multi-million-dollar house? The other thing is, when you start talking about the equality and all this other issues, how much of her own money has she given to causes? What has she really done that is tangible? And I've talked about this in the past, such as starting a business, investing in land, getting a collective together to actually grow something organically within these affected communities that you say you want to help. That is the issue that I have with modern day activism. It's about hashtagging, it's about complaining, it's about going online and maybe holding a press conference and talking with certain buzzwords. But the actual actual execution of these ideas never actually takes place. And that is the thing. I mean, again, with Megan, I would really like to ask her: What have you done, really, to stamp out racism other than point the finger? That is the most empty gesture you can make—is to say that there's racism and I'm trying to stop it. But at the same time, the messaging they give is, "Yeah, but let let me live in a a community that's 99.9 white." And so that those things, I, I can never take these people seriously. And unfortunately. They have been given the bully pulpit.
0: I got a nice project for her if she wants to prove how virtuous she is. Uh, she could start by getting her brother to leave the white supremacist prison gang he joined when he was in mm. and out of prison. she start there, uh, <laughs> do that and, and maybe she has. Uh, but you know that that would be maybe that'll get her a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, I' I'm t- <laughs> Steve, to me, the only athlete that I think f- is phonier than Megan Rapino is Colin Kaepernick. And so I came up with my list of the top five biggest phony, uh, f- five biggest phonies in uh, sports. Colin Kaepernick is number one. Uh, Megan Rapino, number two. Andrew Tate, a new addition, number three. Uh, LeBron James, number four. And uh, William Leah Thomas, the male, female swimmer, number five, with a special mention for uh, Bubba Wallace, uh, the NASCAR driver. Uh, That's my top five.
4: Yeah, Kaepernick, you know, I thought again, he he starts tossing around a football and it's like the yearly occurrence, death taxes and Colin Kaepernick making that attempt to at least get a dialogue started, Colin, it's over. It's over, and and I'm actually hearing more and more players actually just roll their eyes, and they're sick of it. Look, this is the truth about Kaepernick. He was a diminishing player whose game did not evolve. The other thing is, there were actually reports coming out before everything took place in 2016, he was not a well-liked teammate. He really was not, and then a lot of players, I believe, were forced to act like they loved them, they liked them, they're down with them. And meanwhile, they're thinking to myself, I didn't even like this guy. This guy's not that great. And there has to be, I believe, and I don't know if anyone's going to admit this, some sort of anger or a betrayal because there are players like Eric Reed that actually stuck their neck out on the line for him. Yet, when it came down to it, he took a settlement from the National Football League. Colin Kaepernick really monetized this protest. He did. And I, and I would ask people that think that Colin did a great thing. And I'd say, you know what? Maybe it was a strong gesture. That's all it really was, because because I would then ask, do you truly believe five, six years later he has made America a better place? Or do you think he's inflamed more raw emotions uh, of victimhood while he has basically enriched himself? I hate to be that cynical about it, but when he. Has his own brand of shoes and he's he's making these media junkets once in a while. And then the hypocrisy that no one wants to point out. He had a Netflix special where he compared the NFL combine to a slave auction, which, again, you could make that comparison if you want. But then he willingly tantalizes and teases his remaining believers or followers into thinking, you know what, I want to play football. Well, those two messages are completely incongruous to one another. So I think there's been a lack of authenticity from Colin Kaepernick. But again, the mainstream media, they've been complicit in this, Jason, because they cannot or will not push back because they are afraid of getting heat and being labeled racist. So uh,
0: having just said all of that, how does, your, how does he not crack your list of five biggest phonies in sports He's irrelevant. You got Steve Kerr, number one. Not a bad choice, but, you know.
4: I think he's irrelevant. Cap I don't doesn't even, make it? Yeah, I mean, he's like, um, <laughs> he's kind of like the uh, Cabbage Patch Kid in 1994. I mean, it was all the rage in the 80s, and you had the Furby, you had all these other toys, the Rubik's Cube, Pet Rock. Yeah. He's basically that, though. I mean, look, he had his run where no matter what he did, Kaepernick made headlines. Now it's a footnote when he works out and he throws a couple of go routes and the comeback routes and the deep out. And then people say, oh, he's throwing a football. Four or five years ago, there would be this big thing on Twitter, give Cap a shot. All these online revolutionaries and you know, pseudo GMs would talk about looking at their depth chart and, hey, he would be good. Now it's just like, great, he threw a football. It no longer makes uh, any type of ripple within the news cycle and I've seen, like I told you, I've seen more and more players basically say, eh, come on. I, you know when it really ended, though, Jason, it was about three, four years ago. I think it was at the fall or autumn of 2018. He scheduled the workout, and then he switched the workout without telling anybody. I think it was in Atlanta, right? Remember that? Yeah. And I, I specifically remember a couple of NFL players who had turned broadcasters who said, this guy's not serious. That's not serious and then I think there was this realization like you know what he's milking this so at this point in 2023 going soon into 2024 Jason I just don't think he's relevant anymore
0: explain your top five then you got Steve Kerr at the top Greg Popovich number two Jalen Brown a surprise pick at number three explain this list
4: well okay Steve Kerr like he is your modern day classic um limousine liberal, and so was Jeff Popovich. If you want to start talking about gun violence every time something happens, um, uh, hey, guys, there's literally gun violence going on in certain cities all the time, but you don't want to point that out. So when you're going to be really, um, when you're, you're not going to be really honest about the gun violence issue and what's happening and who's doing it, it rings very, very hollow, and they're very lucky that they are facing a media corps which has been really, I think, turned into eunuchs. There is no pushback. They don't want discussions. They're given this kind of this form to say what they want. And everyone praises them because it's certain talking points. But uh, again, those guys, when they start talking about certain issues, I don't think they're particularly honest about it. Uh, Jalen Brown, you know, he likes to protest. Uh, You know, if I was a Boston Celtic fan, I'll be honest, I'd be more worried about him developing a left-handed dribble All that money for a guy with no left hand. And if you want to talk about the wealth disparity, talk about the real problem. And if you're actually going to rebuild Black Wall Street, I would hope it's not just begging white corporate America. That's, again, I know people aren't going to like me saying it, but that's why I'm here. It has to be said. And then Malcolm Jenkins. You know, Malcolm was a very interesting guy. Had a good NFL career. I think he's, I don't know if he's still playing or not, but I remember like four or five years ago, He was still in Philadelphia, and he did this thing where he's in front of his uh, locker room. He starts holding up these signs about murder rates and homicide and, like, all all these, like, scared white reports. Like, oh, my God, he made this brave stance. And I'm thinking to myself, there's nothing brave about it because he's quoting statistics without going into context. Someone should have said, Malcolm, yeah, of all those black deaths, can I ask you a question? Who's committing the murders, though? What's the crime rate in those cities? How are we voting within these jurisdictions? Why is this happening? And, and then he's parlayed that. And then then I think he was one of those guys that really complained about Drew Brees saying, hey, I had I had relatives in the military. I'm not gonna kneel for the flag. And this guy, he he whines and cries, and and I'm like, hey Malcolm, he's allowed to have his opinion. You don't have to like it. But he's a teammate of yours he probably respects your opinion daniel and then drew Brees folded like a poker table at two o'clock in the morning and then you know next thing you know he's running name placards for jacob blake that fine upstanding citizen right so that's the problem that i have with malcolm jenkins who's now parlayed this into a cnn gig so he's on the you know that's the right network for him but I, I would ask Malcolm Jenkins, when you talk about these statistics, let's delve d- deeper into it, into the root causes, the perpetrators and the victims. And, and unless you're willing to have a real, honest, blunt discussion and hear things that are very inconvenient, you are no more part of that solution than you are part of the problem. So that, that's why, to I me, mean, I've always said that guy's a really suspect because, again, it's always about blaming somebody other than the root causes of it. And you know what that's about. It's about we're going to play the victim here and poor us. And I just cannot, I can't stomach that anymore.
0: Steve, awesome job. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. No, will we? Maybe not. Talking about Andrew Tate tomorrow. May not see Steve, but we'll see him later this week. All right, we'll play tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the
2: countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for free. I break out feeling like I stand off nothing in life like freedom. Came in like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all these moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Blessed, we are living, get back, we are receiving, all receiving. We all wanna be free. We want freedom. I just want, I wanna be. I just want, I wanna be. I just want, I wanna be. I just. Want, I wanna be. I just Oh